You're listening to Music Mythology. My name is Sam Romo, and let's talk about some music. Jacob, how you doing, sir? Pretty good. Pretty awesome, good. Man. Nice Saturday. <laughs> it is. It's Don't really have a lot, a lot doing, a lot I'm doing today, so that's good. <laughs> well, you're doing the show. Yeah. Welcome. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, Saturdays are uh, Saturdays are good days. Um, I currently I'm a staff writer at the Dallas Observer. Okay. I'm one of. We can just go into it, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, go for it. Uh, yeah, I'm one of. Two staff writers up there writing in the news section. Um, so my job is basically I write a story every day of every weekday. Mm. Um, so yeah, I definitely look forward to the weekends because it's kind of my <laughs> not really my time off, but just time where I I can look into things and not like be on a strict deadline or anything. Yeah. But but yeah, how about you? Is this this all you doing today? Uh, for the most part, uh, then editing my last episode and getting that uploaded this weekend. Uh, I interviewed uh, Jimmy Wallace, a uh, local guitarist. In, he was uh, on your last Fracture. episode. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I think I just listened to that one. Uh, or is it no, not up? No, yet? it's not up oh, yet. Okay, yeah, okay. it's going to be up. The last one was with uh, Aaron Capers, Got AC, the the local drummer. Yeah, awesome guy. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for Jimmy Wallace because he's the guy who's the director for the Dallas International Guitar Festival that happens every year. Very cool. And uh, yeah, just uh, um, kind of a local legend. You know, he's got mm-hmm. the he's got like the, his own uh, I think it's like Gibson series guitar named after him, and he makes his own pickups. And uh, he has an awesome shop out in Garland. Um, if you ever want to check it out, what's Tons, it called? Uh, Jimmy Wallace Guitars. Okay, it's awesome. I mean. I, when I was setting up for the interview, it, it took me twice as long as normal just because there was just so, so much crazy stuff yeah. to look at in there. I mean, you know, pictures with him and Billy Gibbons and Stevie because he grew up with Stevie uh, Ray Vaughan and uh, just, yeah, really cool guy. Um, looking forward to getting that one up. And, uh, yeah, and he said that I can actually, like, at the next festival that happens in April, I'm going to be at the, at the festival um, streaming live and Very have cool. a table and stuff like that. So, yeah. No, Do you get awesome. pretty technical about about your guitars? Like, I mean, every guitar I've ever had is just whatever it was out of the box. I'll play it. Mm. Do you do you like you know put your own new pickups and stuff in in it? Um, I'm not that particular. Yeah. I, I do. I I have some uh, particular uh, uh, visions of of my tone, you know, and, and for certain uh, scenarios or styles. Uh, for the longest time, I played an Epiphone uh, Sheridan Two, which is mm-hmm. kind of like a blues jazz uh, classic, and uh, I mean, I, I just love it. It's just a beautiful, like gold and black you know, hollow body guitar. Uh, but it, that's my blues guitar. You know, I put like my my fuzz and my blues effects on that one, um, and it has humbuckers on it, and it's it's just a, it was just a good warm sound that I loved. But then I found a Stratocaster, and I never owned one of those before, <laughs> and now I just I don't I don't really play my <laughs> My shirt didn't do very much, man. I just that's, that strat's just like butter, man. I mean, I don't know what it is. I mean, I know I, I've I've been practicing a lot more the last like year because of COVID, just a lot more time. Right. So I feel like that kind of plays into like, wow, this thing's just it's like magic. But it's just a good guitar. It's like a it's a it's a it's a Squire Strat, but it's like a 20th anniversary one from 2001. So it's made like the very first one was made in '81. So it's like some bursts and gotcha. and it's just. I don't know. It's just a cool guitar, man. Yeah, I've never... <laughs> that's something I've never gotten to get too much into is, like, you know, guitar tone, guitar effects, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. When I was 
uh, a little younger, I had like a Digitech, you know, one of those multi-effects Digitech yeah. pedals. And so I'd, I'd kind of mess with that. And um, on my first few shows, I'd have like different effects for each song and everything. Mm. After a while, though, it just turned into like clean distortion. And I, <laughs> I love seeing like people with the huge pedal boards. And it's like, I, I would not know what the hell to do with all that stuff. <laughs> but I really want to, uh, to get into that because um, I don't know. It's just like... Any album you listen to, a lot of people probably don't just take any old guitar and just throw distortion on it. There's probably a sure, little bit more yeah. uh, technicality to it. But um, but yeah, I guess uh, what's interesting to me about music and my life uh, or how it's kind of uh, affected me sure. is, you know, if it weren't for music, even though it's very far from what I do now, mm-hmm. if it weren't for music, I wouldn't be doing what I do now. Um, How's that? Well, I grew up always around music. My my dad's side is like just full of musicians. And so I got into that. I really just wanted to be a singer at first. Mm. And then I started playing guitar and I started playing shows. And uh, I was really trying to make it as a musician from the time I was like 16, probably until I was like 20, 21. Mm. Uh I, in the earlier years, I was playing in a couple of bands and then I started doing my own solo stuff. So I'd play some solo shows every now and again. Uh, No one would ever come, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and, and that's, and we were kind of talking about that earlier. Like I, um, I could get to a point where I was comfortable playing my own music. I wouldn't go around saying I was great or anything. (laughs) Um, And that's the problem is I I wasn't networking with anybody. Mm. And so it was like that for a long time, and that kind of got depressing. But it, it started to pick up a little bit, and this is kind of how it transitions into The Observer. Is, or It started to pick up when I started going to Opening Bell Coffee. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just across the street from the Dallas Police Station. Uh, they've got an open mic night. It used to be every Tuesday. It's basically one of, if not the longest running, it's one of the longest running open mic nights um, in Dallas, if not the whole Metroplex. Nice. But I I heard about that because I I read a a list of, you know, best open mic nights in Mm. Dallas in the Observer's website. Gotcha. I think in one of the the lines under the the blurb about opening bell was like, yeah, sometimes Observer writers hang out there to find the next big thing. (laughs) So I was like, well, that's where I've got to be. Um and so I remember the first night I drove out there, I didn't even play. I like hyped it up so much to you know myself and my girlfriend. She was coming out there with me. I was like, oh, my God. Because the difference is, like I said, people didn't come to my shows. People go to opening bell, yeah. you know, just to get coffee or whatever. And, of course, for the open mic. So yeah. there's going to be people there. So it's like a big deal. Um, and it's randomized. Yeah, it's yeah. completely randomized. I don't know. And that blurb made it seem like, man, if you don't get there on time, you're not playing. Mm. So I was like super nervous. And of course, I was running late and I'm terrible at driving. So I saw I saw opening bell and I was like, where do I park? And um, yeah, parking's pretty bad down there. Yeah. And I just and and we (laughs) drove all the way down there. And I'm like I said, I'm a terrible driver. I'm terrible when it comes to Dallas traffic. So it was a nightmare getting down there in the first place. And then we get down there. 
and I'm like, you know, it's late. People are, you know, piling their stuff in. I'm not going to get a spot. We should, we should just go. And then we just left. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I kind of, if I have a bad show or if I have an experience like that, it usually ends with me, like, packing my, uh, all my gear into the closet. And my girlfriend's like, Jacob, what are you doing? It's like, I'm done. Okay, I'm just done. I'm not playing anymore. Just put it away. <laughs> yeah, just put it away. And then... You know, the next day, it's like a pain in the ass to get it all back out. Like, okay, well, I have to rehearse if I'm going to play practice, again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that happened. It was, it was, you know, terrible. I didn't play. And then I finally hyped myself up enough to get out there. I played. And it was awesome. Mm. I loved that place. I wasn't awesome. But it was just, <laughs> it was an amazing experience. Just because... And this is one of the things I like to talk about is like opening bell is just a magical place, not just, um, well, there's, there's several things, but the biggest thing is, like I said, I, I'd never had fans mm. and a lot of people, if you're playing open mics, you might be just starting out. So sure. of course you don't have a lot of fans either. Yeah. Everybody in the room, especially on open mic night is a fan. If you're on the stage, mm. I mean, it's just that that really supportive environment is, is just magical. And so, um, I don't know if it was immediately after that, but I started going every single week and I, I really grew to appreciate the, the open mic scene, hmm. especially on Tuesday nights, because you could, you could go to opening bell and then you could follow all the regulars at Opening Bell for a short period when it was open. Um, you could follow them to Drugstore Cowboy and mm. play their open mic. Yeah. mic. And then you could go a little bit farther down the street, play the Freeman's open mic. And then right next door, you could play at Adair's open mic or Adair's or however you say it. Yeah. Um, go mic crawling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I really liked to do that. I, I often wouldn't play all of them, but I'd play like Opening Bell mm. and then I'd go to Drugstore Cowboy. Um, and then... I, I've played all of them before, but, um, but yeah, and I, I started to meet a lot of really cool people there. Darren Eubank of DNC, uh, who sadly passed not too long ago, yeah. and Bailey Cheek, Ashley Page Samogi, all these different people that are basically now they're doing what I dreamed to do, which is to pursue a solo career as a musician, yeah. get a band behind me, you know, really fill out my sound. Um, so that's why I, I really ad admire musicians is because I wasn't able to keep going because it was just driving me fucking crazy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> playing shows and nobody coming. And me being the, the reason nobody was coming, because like I said, mm. I wasn't telling anybody. Sure, to yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I, I have a lot of respect for people that can just in the face of such uncertainty because the life of a musician, if you're trying to make it as your career is very uncertain. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of people that can just wake up every day and keep doing it. Keep swinging. But after a while, um, it kind of shifted for me where I started getting into journalism because I was, and we actually went to the same college, I think. Brookhaven, yeah, Brookhaven. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, I was going to Brookhaven and I was... Shout out. Yeah, shout out, <laughs> BHC. Bears, right? I think we're the Brookhaven Bears. Is that it? Yeah, oh, I think I'm so. terrible. I'm a bad alumni. I or should whatever. know. I was on the paper, the, the oh, yeah, paper. Oh, yeah, you so should, should really know. know. <laughs> but um, 
But yeah, I was a journalism major. I wasn't really doing anything toward that. Like, mm. I just had some of the same core classes. I was really pursuing my music at the time, and I was everything artistic is yeah. what I wanted to do. I was yeah. doing acting, music. I wanted to do, like, you know, film and stuff like that. And it occurred to me that it might be kind of hard to make a living that way. Mm. And I'm getting to the point where I am an adult, <laughs> and I should probably start thinking about my future. Yeah. And It I, happens. Yeah, of course. <laughs> happened to me. <laughs> um, and so I figured, well, let me, I'm in a journalism, I'm a journalism major. Let me see what opportunities there are there. Yep. And the Dallas Morning News has this internship every, sum, every summer. It's in several news in several sections so they've got several okay. several of them cool yeah awesome it's an awesome opportunity full time 15 hour 15 dollars an hour like oh, wow. you know great for Real a job. student yeah exactly yeah. the catch was you needed to have eight clips to be ap- you know to be applicable for the for the internship meaning mm. you had to have eight published stories gotcha. or eight published photos or whatever yeah i didn't have any of that God. so the next year or so was just about, okay, maybe if I start working for the paper, I can write a couple stories, you know, in a semester or yeah. something, and hopefully I'll get eight, and then I'll be applicable for this thing. Yeah. Um, like I said, I thought maybe I'd write one or two that semester. I was contributing for them like crazy, and then over the next, you know, year and a half, two years, journalism became, like, my main thing. So. Mm. In that time, music just kind of fell by the wayside yeah. um, for multiple reasons. Like, for one, I just was more willing to spend the time on journalism mm. opposed to rehearsing. It used to be, like I said, when I wanted to do music full time and that's all I wanted to do, I would wake up and I'd have designated like rehearsing times. Mm. And here during these hours, I'm going to write new stuff and yeah. then I'm going to call some people to book some shows. I was on top of it. And after a while, it was just like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to rehearse. It wasn't fun anymore. Mm. And it was just like a drag. And I was progressing a lot faster in journalism than I was in music. So I was like, well, maybe that's a sign. If not that you should give up music forever, (laughs) then at least just take it, you know, make it a hobby for a little bit. And then we'll we'll come back to it later. Um, And once I started, so... I went from running for the school paper so I could uh, get that Dallas Morning News internship. I never did. Mm. And then I started trying to pitch to the news section at the Observer, and they didn't take my pitches because in the news section, um, they like you to be a little bit more seasoned. You know, oh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's just the stakes are a little bit higher than. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, Who's this new guy? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and I remember uh, it was around. One of my, the last times I tried pitching to the news section around that time in like 2018. So I've been doing student journalism for like a year or so. Gotcha. Uh, I, I pitched the news section again and they never responded to me. And then we got a new music editor and I was just in a place where I was like, you know what, I'm going to send one more pitch. And then if, if they don't take it, then that's it. I'll, mm. I'll just move on to something else now. And she took it. She took it. It was, and she was a new editor, so she was kind of probably looking for mm. like a bunch of stories. 
So anybody pitching to them was probably like a godsend. And that's, <laughs> that's what my professors told me. Like, if you want to get your foot in the door, try to pitch now because they need stories. Yeah. Everything has a season. Yeah, exactly. Everyone, every industry has a season. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so it was the, have you ever heard of Emo Night? Mm-mm. So it's this, I don't even know what to call it exactly. Like, I guess it's, you would call it like a playlist tonight or something. Basically, a bunch of people come out to hear a bunch of like emo music, like early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, some angsty shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's a lot of fun. Honestly, like, especially when Black Parade comes on, it's mm. fucking crazy in there. <laughs> and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's nostalgic and everything. I feel like and, I have heard of this. I've never yeah, gone, but... Yeah, you probably have. It's... They... A while ago, when I wrote about it, they were doing it, like, every other weekend or something. And where's it at? It was at RBC. Okay. When when they were... I don't know if it's still there. Yeah. But... Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. When I pitched it, it was about their one-year anniversary. Mm. And... Anniversary stories, if anyone's trying to get into journalism, pitch an anniversary story because it's easy. You know, just watch <laughs> out for any any big, you know, the anniversary of this album or this album and yeah. pitch it and then, you know. because yeah, you can always throw it out there. Yeah, even exactly. if it's just the, the 23rd, it's not even exactly. a rounded number. Yeah. Just <laughs> exactly. And so and these are all things that I just learned from my professor in that, that year and a half. So I was like, okay, anniversary, it's music, so it's not, the stakes aren't as high, so they'll probably let me write it. And they did. So I, I went out and I covered that. And nice. that kind of uh, instigated the shift. Like, wow, I'm like writing professionally, technically, even mm. though I'm getting like just a few bucks here yeah. and there. Um, and so, like I said, that, that was kind of what started to transition it for me. And writing about music and trying to pursue music in the same market is just weird. Like, mm. you never know... And any of these people, I've never had to write anything bad about them. But say I wanted to play a show at Three Links, and I wrote something really critical of yeah. them the week before. Yeah. Or I've never writ written anything critical of them, and they're like, oh, well, we better book this guy, because otherwise he's going to be like, yeah. yeah, well, fuck Three Links. And the yeah, observer. exactly. Which, they, they're probably not worried about that at all anyway. But I'm just saying, those are right. some of the, the situations you can get yourself in. Some some journalism politics. Yeah, and, <laughs> and if there's... Because there's... I'm sure plenty of freelancers in the music section that are also musicians. And whenever that occasion comes up yeah. and you're connected, you just tell your editor and then they assign it to somebody else. But, sure, so yeah. it was probably a bigger like issue than in my mind than mm. it actually was. Sure. But I just felt weird about it. Like, yeah. um, eventually I was starting to write articles about, uh, this band or I would mention them. I think, I don't think I've, dedicate a whole article to them, but this band called Sub-Sahara, or okay. Sub-Sahara, and when I was doing music, I was talking to them about maybe, you know, backing me on one of my songs, mm. so it's just like, I didn't want those two worlds to kind of collide, so yeah. that kind of made me step farther and farther away from music, Music, yeah. and plus, like I said, I, I just liked hearing about how people, like, had the guts to keep going because had high endurance for their dream. Yeah, dude, I, I don't get it. And like I said, <laughs> with, I have a higher endurance for that stuff when it comes to journalism sure. right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's like I said, why, why I kind of went in that direction. And over the years I've, I've been able to watch, I say over the years, I'm not like, you know, super old or anything. And I've only <laughs> written for a handful of years. 
for the observer, for the observer's music section, I think I wrote for like two years. I was writing mm. in music, arts, culture, and then some food coverage too. And over those those two years, I was able to see people that I was meeting, you know, in the earlier days at Opening Bell and drugstore and all these places. Yeah. Like I said, doing the things that I wanted to do. Yeah. And so that's what's always made me uh, interested in, in covering this stuff. It's because maybe I could learn from it, too. Mm. Um, but, yeah. And... So I've I did that for a while and now I'm I'm writing in the news section and I'm starting to get more into music again because I'm not covering mm. music anymore. But um I definitely don't have the aspirations that I did for my music like I did in the past. Like I don't it would be more of a miracle if if that could be like my thing mm. that I did for a living, yeah. maybe that's how everybody feels because it kind of is. I mean, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really think that's. I mean, it, it's a stupendous amount of things to line up, uh, a ridiculous amount of work. I mean, unless you're you know like a a, a resident you know spot at one mm. of those locations. I mean, you're always practicing, you're always pushing yourself, and it's just so much work. I mean, that's why I put it that way, is it's this high endurance for what, what you envision. I mean, you just have this strong concept of your future self, and, and every day you're just comparing today's you know, self against the, this future concept that you have in your head that no one else sees, right? Because that's like the hardest part, is you see, this, you see this pool of potential, or you see this weird, you know, almost wonky mirage of like, your dreams coming together, but you don't know how, you know, unless you have this, a, a beautiful connection that you, you, you've been waiting to use, you know, it's like your uncle's in the industry or, you know, you have this, this crazy connection or money, you know, just throw money at a problem, you know, now that we have social media and you can't throw a stone without running into an advertisement. It's like, you know, you could, you can force your way into a channel, you know, into an avenue of, of, uh, uh, of streaming and, and, um, and yeah, and just social connections. But, it's hard work. It's very hard work. And, and it's also something like what you were just saying, even as a journalist, a journalist getting stuff done, I mean, you're, get, you're still getting paid something. I mean, as an open micer, as a person who's just, you know, uh, maybe in your own time, like let's talk about COVID, you know, you didn't have that option anymore. You know, you, you were at home working on your craft probably, probably trying not to go crazy too. But, you know, I mean, you, you, I mean, you're left your own devices, literally. I mean, you're, you, you have to pump out a creation. There's less sounding board, you know, stuff going on. Like, let me go out. Like you were talking about, those communities that exist in Dallas, those open mic communities that they, they respect those people that go up there and they understand that they might not know what it is. Just like at a, a, a comedy open mic in a seasoned comedy club where, like, they're excited to see someone try, dude. Like, get up there. Like, oh, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Are you the next Stevie Ray Vaughan? Are you the next... Uh, Erica Badu, I mean, what's going on? What are you? Oh, maybe you're not. All right, next, come back. You know, that's where the endurance comes in. You know, you, you got to get some kind of uh, uh, uplifting, you know, uh, uh, motion to keep that wheel turning, you know, to keep that cog moving forward because, I don't know, and that's why you got to not be afraid to, to just jump in and get criticism back because I think that that's where your ego is kind of taking over and you're like, I don't want people to tell me what I did wrong. No, you should crave that. You know, you should go after that. And, and cause I mean, that's what all the seasoned people will tell you. And they're like, well, I love it when people can point out something I did wrong. And, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's just hard work. I know I've said that like four times, but it just is. I don't Dude, know. I mean, you can't say it <laughs> enough because it, and that's why, that's why 
networking is important, not just because you know, you're getting your name out there even more, but because those people end up being that extra push. Yeah. You know, I, I mentioned, um, and if anybody from the band is listening, I'm sorry if I'm saying the name wrong, Sub-Sahara, Sub-Sara, I don't know. Um, but I played like one show with them, not with them, we were on the same bill. Yeah. And they had like two or three bands that they would play with pretty regularly mm. on the same bill. And it's like, that helps so much because... If nobody else is there, at, like like with the open mic thing, at least the other bands are your fans. Um, sure. Especially if those are bands that you usually are playing with and bands yeah. that you're turning out. Uh, and most of the time, those guys are they're hustling too. So when you tell them, like, hey, man, can you tell some people about my show? Especially now with social media, where now it's not even like, a, a post and hope you get in in time with some people watch it. Now, now there's this, you know, the concept of the story where people can just uh, click through everything and just see what everybody's up to. Right. Well, those, those hustler mentality people, I mean, they'll, they'll post you and then you'll get something. You just got to keep going back. You know, it's like, I mean, like for the show, I mean, I know I'm semi annoying a lot of folk out there, but I don't care. You know, that's just a part of the job. And, and if you're in it, then you understand that I'm not doing this to annoy you. I'm doing this because I'm just trying to carve out a lane here for us to connect and for the possibility of something new. I, and I'd just like to meet you. And I just, I don't know. I like to connect with people. Are you that type of person? No? Okay, we'll move on. You know, if you are, awesome. Let's do it. And just rolling with it because it's, I don't know. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of something you just said. You, um, uh, oh, oh, all, the, all those bands knowing each other and stuff like that. You know, that's uh, something I've heard a lot in, in interviewing more musicians and just, you know, these last... I mean, I've only been a music... I've loved music all my life. Both, both of my parents... My dad is a huge music head. I mean, he just, he just loves music and music history. Uh, he's not a musician, but my mom is. My mom... Both my parents were preachers when I was growing up. My mom led the worship... And so she's playing guitar all the time, singing all the time. Like I told you before, my grandfather, the original Sam Romo, he, you know, I grew up with him playing um, all sorts of music around us um, uh, in our family. And uh, he played guitar and would sing. And his brothers played too. They played guitar and violin. And um, it was awesome. Uh, but only the last six years I've been really like since I graduated high, uh, college and moved back to Dallas because I, I plugged in with my brother-in-law and his band and they needed a bassist, and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll learn that. And so that's where I started. I went from bass to drums, now electric guitar, and all production. Uh, so a little bit of everything now, but that's where I started. And um, the more I've learned and the more I've interacted with other musicians, whether they're pros or, or you know, casual, is, you know, a trademark of a, of a, not just a great musician, but a grand musician is, you know, someone who can get, get along with, like, all the other musicians, with anyone, you know, and, and that means less ego. That means more, less ego normally means more opportunity just because you're not in it about yourself. You're in it about this almost spiritual, real thing that's happening right now. Like we're connecting, we're interacting with each other. You're understanding who I am. You understand I'm serious. Like I'm not just here messing around. And, uh, and yeah, and, and you can take criticism from another person who's doing, who's in the trade, you know. Because um, I don't care what trade you're in or industry you're in, if you if you can't take a comment, you know, from someone else who's doing the same thing you are, it's like you you need kind of check yourself. Because I, I don't care even if they're being mean about it, you know. It's like you you gotta figure out how to process that and use it, you know, and move on. But anyways, that's kind of getting off topic. But truly, I mean, I, I see that more and more. That trademark of a really great musician is someone who. They just they dive into everything. They want they will give everybody you know an, 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 an opportunity to to talk and create. And um, I don't know. 
and well, truly. And that's the thing that I didn't get when I was um, when I was trying to pr- pursue music is like mm. networking. I'm doing air quotes. Networking uh, and and these interactions that you have with other musicians that shows. I mean, in the end, it can be self-serving, like because sure. maybe you'll play another show with them, and then their yeah. fans like your music and all that. But it shouldn't, like, if it's just a natural interaction, if you're just trying to go out there and meet cool people, and like you said, just kind of be nice to everyone you meet, give them a shot. Yeah, I feel like that's more valuable than the kind of networking where you're like, "Hey, nice to meet you. Yeah, we should play a show next time." And yeah, and it's that real straightforward. Yeah, kind of like yeah. like I said, it shouldn't it shouldn't be. Let me interact with this person so that I can advance myself in this yeah. way. It's like that's something that I learned is that a lot of times it, that doesn't work out like it doesn't work out that way because sure. then it just the whole interaction is kind of inauthentic and I don't know if I've done this to anybody but it's it's much better when you can form a genuine friendship with somebody and then it just kind of organically turns into this community of people and yeah. then like you said it just kind of like feeds itself yeah um well, in the music world, that, oh yeah. Well, there's a, in the musical world, there's so many uh, uh, angles you can network and support each other in those different ways. Now, mm, you know, pre-social media uh, is probably a lot more physical. It's probably a lot more uh, upkeep with you know actually seeing each other stuff like that. But now it's like you know if if one band gets exalted to this you know now oh we used to have a thousand followers now we have thirty thousand because we've you know had a stream a small tour and it it really yielded some good results. And now, you know, they're willing to post something about you and whatever. It's like now you've, you know, because they went up, you went up. But you have to stay homies. You know, you got to stay in touch. You got to go see his show. You got to, you know, you got to you got to pitch it. You got to you got to hustle and you got to be willing to uh, uh, sow some seeds, you know, go out there and, and go see this guy's small show. But you've seen him do bigger shows, you know. I, I don't know. There's so many facets of how you could support people. But honestly, I mean, you show up. I mean, go see them, like their posts, make a comment when they stream something. I mean, actually listen to it. Just be like, hey, man, proud of you. And like, no, dude, listen to it and get back to them. Tell them, like, man, this reminds me of some, you know, Santana, uh, Santana shit. Or this reminds me of what, you know, and just give them feedback. Tell them what you thought about it. Because I don't know, man. I just feel like. Nowadays, because there's just so much availability of being able to get your work out or get your opinion out, there's just like a softness sometimes to the response to that. Like when you're like, because we're inundated. I mean, like there there, there could be times where like you've been flipping through Instagram, and I don't do this. I'm, I'm not one of these people. But there's I know there's people that just you know spend hours on a, a social media app, and they start to get numb, you know, to some of the things that are flying by their face, and. Uh, I don't know. That's the difference between someone that's going to look out and, and actually start to support people is someone who's looking for these people. Because the average people probably aren't. They're just going to look at you and move on. They're not, they might not even like it. You know, that's starting to get harder now. And um, I don't know. I mean, you have to show up. You have to uh, comment on the other people. You have to reach out to other people. You have to tell people about other people. Repost things that the other artists are sharing. You know, you just got to chip in, you know. And I think it boils down to you have to do it. You have to do it all because you love it. Right. Not, like I said, not because, oh, if I go to this guy's show and I kind of, you know, rub shoulders yeah. with some people. I mean, then, you can have a formula in, like, in mind of yeah. like, if I know the right people, but you just can't, you can't wear that concept like on your sleeve. You can't be like, all right, man, hey, nice to meet you. So next week I have a show and, and if you do that, then I can do this for you. It's like, maybe don't do that yet. Maybe wait till you see him for the third time, you know? 
they just got to have some finesse about it, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, truly, there's a lot of like miracles that have happened in the industry where someone met the right person or they played one more show at the right venue and then the right, you know, producer or whatever was there and gave them a shot. I don't care. But when we're talking about the real nitty gritty of like how you make, you know, the, so, the climb, like the social climb in the music industry, I mean, you, you, it's a, it is about connections, but you got to finesse it. You got to yeah. be able to actually, when you interact with, you know, um, John Doe from this label, man, I mean, and I know this because I'm an outside salesperson. So I've been, you know, pushing my methods on how to approach people and interact with them and consider them and really respect what we're doing in a mutual front in all sorts of different ways. So it's like when I meet John Doe with uh, whatever label, it's like I, I need the pry. I can't just go up there and ask him all these things that I want to know. I got to give him the mic, right? I have to let him talk about what he loves. What does this guy love? Man, this guy keeps talking about Tennessee. Why do you keep talking about Tennessee? Let's open it up. Are you from there? What's going on here? Mm-hmm. And get you know, get something out of him. Hey, you know, your dad. You know, what 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 do your kids do? I mean, you got to talk. You got to uh, uh, relate. You know, because being a musician, liking the same artist, that's that's only so far, you know, that, that only gets you so far that gets you eye contact, maybe, you know, <laughs> with someone like, Oh yeah, I'll talk to you about that album for a little bit. But it's like, what else do you want to know about me? You know, how, how can you prove that we're not just associates, but you know, we're in the trenches together, you know, and that's, what's beautiful. And like, like, uh, like AC, the drummer I interviewed, uh, uh, last week, two weeks ago. I mean, that dude's just a hustler, man. I mean, he, he's doing private lessons. He's working at schools. He's in three, four bands he's doing something like every every day he's going for it he's pushing it i mean that's what he says he's like when you're not working make sure you're working that's what mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean he's just he's always going and and i mean it's just beautiful i mean you're around someone like that and they just you know they vibrate at a different level because they're just they're just i don't know they're so encouraging and so um excited about creating and the next thing and and um I don't know. That's someone who's networking. That's someone who's plugged in and likes to, you know, interact with musicians, see them, you know, improve, see, see someone else, you know, uh, uh, be top bill and, and, and just, I don't know, just support them. But I don't know. Cause I, I see a lot of, I mean, I, I listen to Joe Rogan's podcasts semi regularly, not, not like all of them, like just the people that I think are interesting. And, uh, you know, he talks about the comedy community a lot and there's a lot of parallels between that community, you know, and the music community and, and the fact that, you know, you have your, your, your top dogs who are like untouchable if you're trying to get advice or try to, you know, learn, you can listen to their content, but you know, it's like workshopping with them is like almost impossible. So you got to meet like the local pros who are doing it, you know, every night and you got to learn, you know, you got to work your way up. And, uh, but like, just like in that community, a huge difference maker is a fellow supportive hustler, you know, who's like, Hey man, you know, you, you're out, you're out here as often as I am. Hey, I listen to your stuff. You know, people who actually interact with you, talk the talk. And show up. I mean, it's just huge. Like, I don't know. I say this as someone who grew up in the generation that had social media around when I was in high school, you know. So I didn't just compare myself to each other in school. I also had to defend who I was, you know, virtually. And I just, you know, I saw a difference in people and, like, how we interacted with each other over time. That there was this lack of, um, I don't know, respect and, like, having to interact in a really positive or not positive, but like genuine way, like in person, because I, you know, I I have my two lives, you know, maybe I'll post something nice about this on Facebook or whatever. And, uh, so I feel like social media in a way has softened us to those approaches, those real hard lines support things when they think, you know, just liking your post will, oh, that'll get them famous, (laughs) you know, but there's just so much, there's so much nowadays. Yeah. And, um, kind of on this whole, like, 
you know, human interaction thing and how that kind of like, you know, boosts you up and everything. Have you ever, have you ever played solo ever? Oh, like music. you play a lot of band in bands mostly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 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 We don't play shows or anything, but, um, I mean, I have like my own solo stuff that I've made. Right. Yeah. I just, do you, have you, have you spoken to a lot of solo musicians on the, on the podcast? Uh, actually, no, I think they're all in multiple really? groups. I feel like, no, yeah, I feel like no. Man, because that, I feel like, and of course everybody in their lane thinks like it's the roughest or whatever, but, Mm. um, I mean, it can be. Yeah. Well, with solo musician, with solo music, it's just you. And, you know, you can, with a band, something that I would, that I started to do that toward the end of pursuing music, like seriously, Mm. was... Because I was I was getting relatively successful in my own definition by my own definition in the sense that I was making some money from playing a few shows. Yeah. I would have a regular show at this place called Diggs Tacos that would pay me like um, for an hour and a half to play, and if I came up with enough material, they could even pay me for three hours. Mm. And then I was having some regular gigs here and there. But I would just get to the choruses of my songs and like maybe the second chorus. And just be like, oh my god, I'm fucking singing this again. <laughs> Jeez, does anybody want to hear this? <laughs> um, and with your band, you can like, you know, look at the drummer. You're like, man, you know, we're jamming here. Yeah, yeah. But with, I'm just in my mm. head the whole time on yeah. stage. Unless I can see maybe like someone else is like really digging it in the yeah. audience. Um, at least a tapping foot. Something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please just tap because, am I just doing this for me now? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's why there's this this one musician who I've played with a couple times just on the same bill. Mm. Her name is Bailey Cheek. She's, uh, again, just someone who I would see in uh, open mic nights all the time. And now she's got, I'm pretty sure she's got a band behind her and everything. I think she's putting out a, a record with that record store. I think it's called Red Zeppelin. Oh. Have you heard about that? No. I think that's what it's called. I swear if it's not. Is it near here? Yeah, it's, it's, I know it's a Dallas based record store and I think they're, they're also like being, they're a label too. So they're, oh. um, so I guess they signed her on and they're doing an album. Oh, wow. But again, it's just, I, I just have a lot of respect for people that can like really see through it to the end. Mm. Not that it's the end or anything, but that's just a, that's a leap that I was never able to make mm. because I, I just, got so tired of of my own stuff and going through the the processes all the time and i mean that that respect not just for solo musicians but going back to musicians in general increased tenfold when the pandemic happened Mm. because it was already hard yeah you know and and now all your opportunities are gone you've got to make just like you always have to do you've got to make your own opportunities now yeah and so have you heard of a guy named uh, Paul Slavens? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, so he would play, he would do, uh, man, all these names are escaping me. But he would do this this regular gig in Denton at Dan Silverleaf where it was just people would put a song topic in a jar with some cash. Oh. Whichever one had the most cash, he would, oh. he would just improvise and make up a song yeah, for nice. that. <laughs> and so, of course, Dan's, when the pandemic started 
they had to close down. Mm. And so Paul Slavens, I don't know how much he knew about, you know, virtual live streaming and, and getting all that stuff set up, but you know, a month or so into the pandemic, he had a, you know, full studio set up and he was doing his own thing. Nice. The same gig just online now. And you had so many people who had to get innovative. Yeah. And, you know, we're not completely done with this thing, with this pandemic. Yeah. But they're, they're still here. They made it to the other side of yeah. it. Yeah. And that's something that if, if I was a musician living in a pandemic, if I hadn't given up a long time ago, that would have been it. <laughs> that's when I probably would have said, wow, I, I just, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> you yeah. Know? But again, it's just that resilience. It's like, yeah. what are you willing to do? Do you love this thing enough to, to have to, you know, try 10 times harder in this pandemic? Yeah. Um, you said that you guys haven't played a lot of shows, huh? Uh, no, cause we, I mean, it's been, um, it's a very casual thing. Um, cause I'm, I'm in like one group that we, we, we cover a lot of things and like, I, I write a lot of my own stuff and I'll, I'll, I'll introduce it to them and I kind of use them as a, uh, a base. Like I'll play different things because I mean, I, I, it's really good drummer and a great bassist. Um, so I, I don't know. I just practice a lot. Of, I workshop a lot of ideas with them um, and just keep it to myself. Like I have my own little, you know, catalog of things that I, I that are mine um, that I've just I've never finished. Like I, because I I, pre, I do subtle production. Like when we work on those things, it's all multi-tracked. It's all uh, balanced really well, um, and I'll, I'll master them. But I've never I don't know really figured out what the full you know what the actual song is. You know, start in what the lyrics would be. I just have parts. You know, I have like 75% of it, but I need to clean it up, probably trim a lot of them down, you know, and just make some of them up and give them a, a sharper vision. Um, and then with the other band, um, we haven't played in months. We're on a kind of like a hiatus. Um, and all of us play different things, and um, it's kind of chaotic. Like, we would make a lot of good ideas, but it was it was uh, not a lot of discipline, honestly. We, we were very good musicians and couldn't, almost like organically like very quickly come up with really unique melodies or 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 cool cool sounds um but it just i don't know we're yeah that's the best way to put it we're on a high ace right now because i know we'll get back together because I, I haven't stopped um i'm doing more practice than i had prior um like just sticking to practice like not necessarily trying to come up with things like i'd had been but just like really thinking of like just the theory and concepts behind what what even what I've had for a long time, like, you know, I might be sitting on something for the last three years and working on it, but I need to go back and, and study more and realize like, oh, I could branch that out way further than I'm just, you know, staying like, like, you know, like maybe my song's too much of a drone and I need to, to, you know, have more variety or I don't know. Um, do you so think, I'm all over the place. Do you think you could, um, like if you guys hammered down a set number of songs or whatever, do you think you could record it all and master it all yourself? Oh, or? yeah. Really? Oh yeah. Very cool. I yeah. feel like that's such a. I mean, at least for me, that's a huge obstacle. Is mm. like I've got gear that I can record with, and yeah. if it's just honest, and I've been thinking a lot more about this, but if I just wanted to do like an acoustic thing, I could definitely make a guitar and my vocals sound good. Sure. But once I start, you know, bringing drums into the equation and bass, and sure, maybe I could get all those recorded, but I have, I don't have the the faintest clue of mm. how to mix properly quote-unquote properly yeah. or master because obviously there's right and wrong ways to do it sure. i can make it sound good to me but 
even the best sounding thing to me isn't going to sound good to a, you crazy know, a DJ file. at KXT or oh, something yeah, like that. Exactly. So that's that's always been a huge obstacle, and it's. I mean, I'm I'm at the point where I feel like, for the longest time, I was in denial about my recording. I always thought, no, I could do it myself. Like, mm. I don't need to spend all this money. I think I probably do. I don't have enough of the knowledge to do it all myself. So if I want something like huge with a big band behind me and stuff, yeah, I think I've finally decided like I'm just gonna have to hand it you know, to someone, bite the bullet, and give someone a bunch of cash. <laughs> but uh, well, yeah, I, I only know it in some length because of that you know that, that was a part of the audio video classes i took in high school was we had a sound booth we had a full recording studio and uh, we used pro tools um and uh but it's been 10 years you know since i had done that maybe nine i guess it's more like nine but it doesn't matter long time and and so during covid i mean it was a lot of refresh for me because it was twofold because when when covid started actually last year you know i don't know if you knew this i've brought this up a couple of times on the show but last year was the largest sale of audio equipment and and uh recording equipment of all time it was like sense. over like three billion dollars in recording equipment like it's the biggest year ever because everybody wanted to do it themselves um uh, well i was one of them because uh, i wanted it for the for the band so it started off with the that small little Personas uh, audio DAWs system that I use um, audition with, and uh, just for my band, you know, put a uh, run one mic to the uh, to a soundboard that had like the bass and then the, the drum kit all mic'd up. This is in my house, and uh, and then have the other lines running to the two guitarists, and uh, it worked. We you know we were able to capture some clear, decent little demos of what we had in mind. Um, but then when I started the show, um, that's when it really pushed me. Because then I just wanted something to capture. I was tired of just having a little recorder in the room capturing us, and I can't hear Bart, the bassist, because it was just aimed the wrong way, and the you know his frequency was way too low. Just couldn't get it. And uh, so I started just reteaching myself on how to do it right, and that's when I got the the audio box and started reteaching myself because I knew Pro Tools, but. I already had the Adobe suite or whatever. So I had auditions. I was like, no, 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 I don't need to spend more money. It's like, I, I can make this work. I just got to relearn it. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's very similar. There's all in different places. The buttons and the settings are just a little bit different. The interface is different. That's really it. And, uh, although I will say audition doesn't have as many like preset, like effects and like preset stuff that some of the other ones become, but it's good enough. I mean, it has all the, uh, um, uh, like the, the noise parameters and the parametric equalizers and the, the, the compressor settings on there, like the multiband compressor is really nice. Um, it took a lot of just rehearsing things, practicing things, uh, watching a lot of, you know, tutorials. I forget. There's this one British dude. Like, I've just watched so many like, like, uh, uh, videos of this guy. Cause he's great, concise to the point. And, um, anyways, but it was great. Cause I mean, I, I like I said, it's been 10 years, man. And it feels good. Cause now I really can, I'm, I'm getting better. Like if you, um, and disclaimer for any listeners, uh, you know, if you start my show from episode one, I mean, there is a humongous clear difference between episode one and like my last, like, I don't know, even five. I mean, every episode I think of, I, I look into something else or I'm talking to someone, you know, like, Hey, maybe you should use a, a de-esser for, for whenever you're in a position like this, like, Oh, that's a good idea. I didn't think about that. I couldn't really hear that. Like I, I could a little bit. So maybe just try it next time. Like, all right. And so it's every time just, you know, thinking of a different dynamic and what's what's happening and fixing it. Um, even if I'm being just crazy particular, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not even, 
we're pretty even, but you know, maybe pan us out a little bit or whatever. But it's been nice just uh, having time to, you know, it's not my job. It's not, I don't have pressure involved. But when COVID happened, I had a lot of time, you know, and I didn't want to waste it. I feel like I did for the first few months, you know. Everybody did, I think, because you just didn't know what was going on. Tiger King was on. All that Dude, stuff, that was new. It's like the, <laughs> like, obviously I had no idea the pandemic was going to happen. But, like, in the month or two before, I got an Xbox for, like, the first time. Oh, the, really? The, the, <laughs> for the first time. Well, yeah, the um, the only other time I had an Xbox was I, I had an, an original Xbox when I was, like, yeah. 12 or something. And... um. <laughs> And so, yeah, we got an Xbox and then the whole world shuts down. I was like, man, like good this timing. sucks, obviously, but what good timing for the Xbox. <laughs> um, and so I, I played GTA like crazy that <laughs> oh, yeah. the whole first few months. I also got um, a Mac, uh, a Mac laptop mm. for the first time. I had a Mac mini and that's what I recorded my uh, my first EP on gotcha. in 2015. But it was... I still have it, but it's just like so slow. And so I got, I also got a Mac laptop and that kind of got me into doing music a lot more. Mm. I love recording. I've been recording since I was like 11 or 12 or something. My oh, dad wow. had a little home studio because he was trying to do all of his own stuff. And so I, I became pretty well acquainted with like a soundboard and recording softwares and stuff like that. And I love the whole process. I'm just always on the fence, especially now, having covered music. Like, a lot of times, it's it's got to be pretty crisp if mm. if we're gonna um, if we're gonna cover it. Not just for us. I mean, if it's gonna get on the radio, yeah. Like, try try sending a home unless it's really good. Try yeah. sending a home recording to KXT or something. They yeah. they'll probably tell you like up the quality a little bit or something yeah. like that. Um, so I'm always on the fence of. Should I just put out what I can with what I have just so I can have it out there? Or does it spoil it? Mm. If I could just if I could just wait a little bit longer, save up some money, make it really crisp, go into a studio and, and have people work on it that know what they're doing, should yeah. I wait for that? What's what are your thoughts? Do you think do you think just people should put out what they can when they can with what they have? I mean, I think it kinda of depends on how you envision your 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 um your progress going you know it's like do you, do you think that some kind of you know like george martin character that you pay for to come in your, you know like this uh a very put together individual who's very aware of how to arrange you and and, and make sure you sound good will just come in and magically fix everything you know right. will you all actually get along you know it's like does he have the right ear for what you're doing or does he just have the right price point you know for what you're doing um maybe george martin's wrong because he was he was like classical and then he went into rock so that does kind of fit but anyways uh but I, honestly I, I i just i've talked to so many people that that are doing it themselves or I, you know i've just witnessed it you know through social media or whatever and me like me going into it and trying to like relearn things and just or just be confident be like is this the cleanest i could get it and it's like going down like reddit thread rabbit holes because uh, there's this one subreddit subreddit called uh, i think it's called we are the music makers and it's just like just people who make music themselves and record it themselves, and they're like, "Hey, I finally fixed this, you know, fuzz problem on on this whatever with that," and then, and they'll give you a little tutorial on how to fix it. And it's just open because they're like they're not trying to make money off of it. They're just expressive people. They're like, "Wow, I, I'm so elated that I fixed, I figured out how to do this right." Hey, look, check this out. 
So you don't you don't need you know to throw money at it if you have the time to throw at it and and piece, piece it together or you find a local person who's on the come up. You know, it's like uh, like I interviewed this guy uh, Stephen Kettner, um, and you know, it's like he uh, was a guitarist for different bands. You know, he, he was, I think he's resident at the Freeman, and uh, there's a lot of shit <laughs> musically. But he also builds studios, and he also he, he he had a studio. He had his own studio last year that he had to shut down because of COVID. Uh, but you know, it's a smaller local guy who's just music obsessed and and just, you know, just knows everything. You know, he's just su- super in it. And, you know, probably be a little cheaper than some, you know, a, a huge label or getting someone really, you know, really involved. You know, maybe try and find a local person who went to Berkeley and moved back and they've just been waiting, you know. It's like, because... Do you, do you watch Portlandia? You ever watch that show? I've seen it a bunch of times, okay. yeah. I don't watch it religiously. The, do you remember the, the bit... Where it's Fred Armisen, he's playing the crazy studio guy. He's got like the the fuzzy. He's got like the cur- big curly hair fro. Maybe I, and I'm he's not got sure. Like a, it's like a blonde fro and a blonde mustache. He's like, I just gotta get the right guys in here. You know, he's, he knows the same mics they use on Pet Sounds, and he's like, yeah. every, he's like obsessed with everything. He knows everything. And like this whole bit is him walking this quiet guy through a studio and just showing him. He's like, yeah, it's, it's the best stuff. It's only mm-hmm. the best stuff. Yeah, I flew this in from Detroit. I just need the right people to come in and do it. You know, it's like those people really exist. These people right. that. They either had the capital or the time or both, and they just haven't made the right connection yet. Or, hey, this is a very real thing. They're not a very social person, so they really love this thing. They have they have a, a high, like immense passion for this thing, but they don't know how to relate it. They don't know how to dish it out and get people to come back and return. And and so when you find those people who you know, oh, I'm just waiting to get the right artist. There's a lot of small studios, you know, down here and a lot of small independent people who could take a, a swing at, you know, someone's work and, and really take an effective uh, uh, look at it and, and, and at least take it to the next level. Right. So I would say if you have this vision, like, I guess that's why I use George Martin, the Beatles, where it's like you get, you know, an opportunity to meet this really put together producer and you show them your stuff and it all, boom, it breaks and you just, you know, the rest is history. If you want it that way, yeah, maybe, you know, save up and take a one big swing at it, you mm-hmm. know, because that's what it feels like to me. It's like there's your big opportunity. But being in the sales world, like for so long, I just don't see uh, networking that way. Like I don't see sometimes. Yes. But like what you said before, that, that's more miracle esque. That is yeah. not to mean that's not ideal or that's not typical. It's very atypical. And and to me, the more the the more accurate organic approach would be. You know, I have this demo together. I'm going to send it to my music friends, my people, not just the, yeah, the people that don't nothing about music theory that are just like, I love pop. I love good, you know, the people that are like, I love good music, send it to me, whatever. Because they just don't think of it in certain terms and in strict terms of like, oh, is this, that's, that's not jazz. That's, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they're so obsessed that you got the genre wrong. They're not even listening anymore, you know, uh, those because those people are great, but you got to hit all spectrums. You know, you send right. it to the people that just love good music and they're like, yeah, that's all right. You can go tell me what did you not like that you know and you gotta push back mm-hmm. you know um, and then and then your other side the people that are the real musicians and the producers who you're not really working with but you want advice you want just just quick feedback man it doesn't mm-hmm. even have to be deep I just need to know I'm on the right track or I'm not and uh, you do that a few times and you use your social media and your own network to bounce things off until you get you know that you have a demo that's close and then yeah maybe take a swing send it out to some people and then if you get feedback awesome use that feedback to adjust and come back um if you hear nothing at all uh keep moving you know and and 
and that's when you up the game. I think I just think you have to up the game with how you think the 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 scale works. When you think, okay, today I had the idea. I mean, one day Paul just had the idea for yesterday, you know, but it took him pumping it out. Now the way he tells the story was like just natural. Like I was like, it just came to me. It's the whole song, which was beautiful, and I'm sure. But he still had to do it. He still had to figure out what it would be, explain it, make sure it sounded good. They wanted to add more instruments to it, but then George Martin was like, no, I think this could just be him and his guitar, maybe some strings. We're like, oh, okay, yeah, that is better. It took attempts. It took a round of, of, uh, 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 rounds of, of revisions and ideas and opinions. Um, and so I think when it comes to really making music and workshopping it, I think it's all up to you know your level of endurance, your level of speed too. Of like, oh, I have something down. That you know maybe it's just the first part. Maybe it's just the first verse, the chorus, and then a bridge. I don't know how it's going to end. You know, but maybe that's where you, you figure it out with other people and playing it with other people. Um, but I don't know. I just think there's there's a beautiful community and a and a different idea too of yourself, like as a musician. Because like I said, I, I think again, like truly, a good musician plays well with others. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm sure there's phenomenal people that that phenomenal musicians that hate people, and you know, they're like I got it, I know what I'm doing. That's great, man. But I don't socially. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just think that's kind of a, a hard road. You know, you might not think it's that bad, but. It's a much better road to have, you know, a community, you know, really warm up to you and embrace you and help. And um, and as you're workshopping it in that method, I think you become you, you come into yourself. You come into the sound that um, that you realize that you couldn't have done on your own because mm-hmm. that first draft was just you. Remember, and and I just think that's a you got to remember that. And I, I and I know there's a lot of crazy people out there that have done things, you know, all on the mo- on their own, you know, like. I think of like a huge thing, you know, like Kevin Parker, like with Tame Impala, where, you know, I, I think it was his first album. He did a lot of it on his own, but the dude still has influences. He's still around other musicians. You know, he's still, uh, he might've had a majority of the concept and the production, but there's still influences. There's still people he's interacting with. And, and I just think you can't isolate yourself because you think you're so talented. You know, you can't just think like, I got it. And I don't need other people. Cause I just think, that doesn't get you very far, and if it does get you far, you probably forgot some people. You know, if you if you teach it like, or if you preach it that way, you're like, yeah, I got here all on my own. It's like, ah, you probably just a little inconsiderate in certain ways. Um, but I, I think in modern terms, right now, I mean, being a big network. I mean, that's a big thing with labels right now. The only people they'll take a big swing on right now are people with you know thousands of TikTok followers or or, or, or a huge Instagram following or something like that because they want a running start, you know. And when and if you don't have that, you're kind of to them you're kind of proving like you're not very social. You're not willing to branch out and and be malleable or whatever. So I think that's 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 key in and and figuring out what your product's going to be is you have to come into yourself and, and come into who you really are by pushing off of different people. Because, um, you know, you got to think of yourself almost like a, a, a laser in a room full of mirrors. It's like everybody you're working with is just another mirror that you're about to bounce off of, and it's going to link to some, something else internally inside of you. And then in the middle of that room of mirrors is one central beam, and that's you, dude. So you gotta you got to put people in the right places and, and, and test yourself and be aware of, of how things are working. Cause I mean, even people like, you know, David Bowie didn't come into himself, you know, into what everybody thinks is David Bowie and his legacy or whatever, you know, until like not halfway through his career, but like 
quarter away of his career. I mean, like he he was trying to become a musician from the uh, early, early mid '60s, and it wasn't until '71 that he actually got popularity. And there's people like Mark Bolin and all sorts of people where he's like, yeah, you never stopped. Like he just never stopped. He got a lot of cold rejection, got a lot of bad marketing because people didn't know how to handle him because he didn't know how to explain himself. Boom. You know, there's there's a limit to yourself. He didn't know how to explain who he was. They didn't know how to capture him. So it just ended at a stalemate. And and it wasn't until he had people like Mark, uh, uh, Mick Ronson and, uh, uh, and, and, and people who limited him too, like uh, Tony Visconti, who, who helped change him a little bit, rein in some of the weirdness. Uh, uh, expose some of the other side of the weirdness and bring in people who have different tones and different ideas, like someone like Mick Ronson, who is a freaking gardener at the time, you know, who, who is a phenomenal guitarist, who, who, who is like the cutting edge of like proto-punk like style at the time. And, and Bowie didn't like him. <laughs> the guy who helped, you know, fashion the sound that got him into the airwaves. He didn't like him. You know, they didn't, they didn't, I mean, they didn't. They weren't good buddies at first, you know. And then when they did Hunky Dory, you know, he reined them in. He didn't even let Ronson do too much. And Ronson is a phenomenal pianist, so he played piano on there and helped with string arrangements because he's that good. Bowie didn't do that crap. It was Ronson. And then and then you go in the Ziggy. You know, that's where they they come to an agreement of like, oh, you're good and I'm good. Okay. And then they erupted. And then you go to Aladdin Sane and it ends. And, and it ends with Bowie on this ego trip of like, look who I am. I'm Ziggy. You know, I'm I am I am next level. People want to see Ziggy, not the spiders. And 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 he leaves. You know, and and he and his legacy grows. He erupts, but he didn't do it on his own. He didn't do it on his own. He had he had high endurance. You know, and kept going, but he had to bounce off of other people. You know, he had to take criticism. He had to he had to adjust. You know, and I I just yeah I don't know. To me, it's almost a healthier concept to know you have to inter- involve other musicians to get to who you are than to think that I'm just going to lead this way like some kind of prodigy or some kind of like, I don't know, legend. And it's like, no, no, no. Legends don't just like are birthed and then you just have this like individual idea of who you are and you just keep you know pushing forward because you're the man, right? It's like, no, you're the man because people look up to you, you know, because because the the uh, the people's champ you know has to be something that the people can't and sometimes the people just don't know how to inter- interact with each other connect things really involve the community and build a community and that's what you know some of those musicians when they get to a level they represent different things they start to build a community but they had to start somewhere and it starts you know that's why I like that's why you know this show is really a platform for local music right you know right right now and and I love it because it, it's it's an insight that not a lot of people would consider when they think about music. When they might just think of popular music, you know, they don't think of the the local scenes and the dynamics at play. You know, to get in the right place, to have the right band members. You know, I mean, I'm sure you, I know this. I'm not even in like a legit like band. Uh, it's just keeping the band together, keeping the band level. You know, it's like if there's a chaotic uh, a character in the mix who's you know, oh, he's just the best drummer. But man, some days, you know. And, you know, sometimes that'll just wear on you and, and it'll wear the whole group down. And then, no, it's just going to take a hiatus or we'll just, you know, take a break. I'm going to go do a solo thing because, y'all, we're not getting it together. There's so much, you know, at, at play that you can't just think that you're, you've got it all. So, I don't know. All that to say, you got to have a community. And the Dallas, like local Dallas community, like music community is, 
it's beautiful but you gotta you gotta plug in you know you gotta show up you gotta you know go to see your buddy's show you gotta promote and like you said you can't just have a cold approach you know you can't just wheel and deal and say i'll give you this you give you that i'm sure there's people that play that game you know but it's just it's just a warmer approach and a, a true community you know when you can embrace each other in a genuine method yeah and i mean like and this isn't to discount any of the work that they're doing behind the scenes, but some of the most successful bands that I see, um, you know, particularly in Dallas or these local scenes, is are are people that are going out to shows and just have. I mean, they're just having a badass time all the time, you know, with yeah. the people that they that they want to go here. And yeah. again, it's I, you know, maybe they play with the, these people or whatever, but. Again, it's all just to get out there and and have a good time. And as cheesy as that sounds, I think if that's your end goal, um, you're going. I think you're going to take off a lot faster than yep. if you're just trying to, you know, move and shake and, you know, uh, rub shoulders with all the right people and, I don't know, have it being this completely self-serving thing. I think that there's there's room for that because you you do have like a place you're trying to get to. Yeah, but. I think that it's easy to forget, like, this is supposed to be enjoyable, <laughs> you know? And yeah. when it stops being enjoyable, that's why I kind of just stopped doing sure, it. Sure, yeah. Um, and so, I mean, yeah. it's a labor, man. I mean, it's, it, it is, I mean, it's a lot of work. I mean, I say it a lot on this show, because you can't fake it. You can't just get up there and, I mean, f- fake the song you're about to play, and it's like, people won't know if I fuck up the solo. It's like, they're going to tell when you hit the, oh, yeah. you know, you're like, oh. And that's what started happening to me was like, um, it, like I said, it used to be I was regimented, like I had mm, yeah. rehearsals and writing new stuff and everything like that. Ob- that stopped happening. Mm. And it got to the point where I would show up to shows and be like, oh, my God, did I drink enough water today? Did mm. I even warm up my voice at all? Yeah. Am I going to forget the chorus to this new song, which yeah. has happened to me before? Yeah. Um, and, well, and again, it's like you're making your own stuff too yeah. so you're not covering things every night it's like you're making up content like me and uh, uh this guy michael rossi i interviewed like we talked about that it's like shit sometimes i want a teleprompter up on the <laughs> up on the stage like i don't care i just want want something to offset some of that the nerve you know mm-hmm. because i mean you're dishing out your own product and and you're already like all like what you just said did i did i drink too much caffeine i'm like all like over the place or like man i need more water or like mm-hmm. My mouth dry as hell. Like, oh, I don't know if I'm, I'm optimal, you know, tonight. I hope there's not a, you know, a label or someone there mm-hmm. watching me, you know. And like I you know, said, you, you can't, you can't fake it. Like, I couldn't yeah. show up to that show and make it seem like I was on top of my shit. I just yeah. wasn't, you know. Yeah. So you, you have to, you have to just be constantly working at it because it's if you want it to be your living one day, it has to be a job, you right. know. And, um, I don't know. It's it's obviously so much more fulfilling to pursue something like that opposed to what's the reason why I started to double down on on music or on uh, on journalism was because I had worked so many stupid jobs. Mm. I was like, why am I? I'm waking up at five thirty in the morning, showing up at a place at six to help somebody else's dream come true. Mm. Like I was working at a restaurant, Mm. the franchise owner, it's their dream to make, I mean, maybe they have other dreams, but it's their dream to have their restaurant be the best. Why am I a part of that? Like, that's not my fucking dream. I I should just quit um, and, you know, do my art and stuff. And so that's, that's why I've, I've really just been trying to like, 
you know, pave my own way, whether that be with music or with journalism or whatever. Yeah. Because you can always be doing something better for yourself than, I don't know, doing something for someone else. But it's just more satisfying, man. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's like, I, I could be doing this for, you know, I mean, it's totally fake. But it's like, let's say Spotify hired me to do a show. It's like, I would still be elated as hell, first of all. But like, I would kind of have this idea of like, oh, they gave me this show to like run. Like, I'm making money and they're making money, which again, I'm sure I would be not very bothered by that. But if I could work it this way, where I have my own thing, because I own this shit, you know, it's like, this is my business. And then like, I get a sponsor or yeah, I get an opportunity that like, you know, a, a, a paper, a, an organization or a, a streaming organization wants to sponsor me and have me as like their signature local Dallas show or whatever. It's like, I would feel much more like satisfied and, and excited because like, yeah, I did it. There it is. Ah, right. it's come through, you know, finally. And, uh, I mean, yeah, that's kind of why I'm doing this anyways. Because, like, being an outside sales rep, like, I already kind of get a taste of that. Like, I've always been entrepreneurial. Like I told you, like, I had a wedding business. I, instead of going to my prom, I used my money and bought a camera and started my wedding videography business. And and with this, or no, with, with being an outside salesperson, you're kind of your own business. Because I don't really answer to anyone. I just have to make deals. And I also pro- manage the projects until they're done. So really just our production team and maybe the installer on site will interact with me. But it's really just me and this lady or gentleman, you know, knocking something out, figuring out how we're going to wrap this wall, brand out this new location, whatever. And then, you know, I quote it, they, they buy it, we make it, we put it up. They're like, it's great. Awesome. And then I get my commission and walk away. And I mean, I'm building it. it, I mean, there's no, there's nobody holding my hand. There's no one I have to go to. Hey boss, can we do this? It's like, no, I wheel and deal, get the money and get out. And it's just, I don't know. It's very satisfying. And, and I, and and it gave me a taste of, 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 you know, wanting that in my own realm of, of, of product, you know, thought and, and brand concept and, and just design execution of just knowing like, yeah, this is me. I made that, you know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> it's just different, you know? And, um, yeah, I don't know. I love it, you know? And, and it's, it's something I, I wish on everyone, you know, that they would be able to have an outlet of their own to, to find your passion. You know, as I was telling you, the whole concept of the show is, is to give a local platform, uh, but also to musicians and music lovers. But it's also, I just love genuine conversation, you know, to see someone light up about something that they're like, ooh, I've been waiting to talk about this boy. Like, yeah, like no one talks to me about this. You know, it's like, because like I've just, I've been in so many jobs. Uh, I mean, I've been at Fast Signs for the last few years, but I've just been at different jobs where that's honestly some of the, the best mo- parts of the job is where I'm meeting this guy who he might be in his, you know, 50s. He's from New Orleans and we're both installers for this AV company out in College Station. But when we're on the job, you know, he wants to, he knows so much about, you know, this show or, or ZZ Top or like, you know, just some topic. And, and he just, you know, he just lights up with saying like, oh, I remember when I saw him and blah, blah, blah. I just, I just love that. I love seeing people come alive and, and um, just having conversation. So uh, when I realized that I could take a swing at, you know, being a, because I already know how to put the show together. And if I could, because I always envision myself being behind the camera, never in front of it. But I love conversations and I don't mind being embarrassed and feeling, you know, unnerved. So bring it on. And I've just, I've loved it. And, and like what you were just talking about, a different trajectory into, you know, getting your music out there or whatever is your own. 
um, you know, I do make music and I, I do want to make music and, uh, I've been open about it. I mean, this show is kind of going to be in my way, a jumping off point for that where, you know, I'm, I'm still working full time. I'm still workshopping music and practicing a lot. Uh, but I have this show and this shows a lot of work too. Uh, but the concept is, is once the show has some momentum behind it and and it, be, it can become you know a full-time job you know i won't have that other job on me anymore so yes i'll be able to do this much more frequent but i'll, I'll still have more time and and with more time and a and a, now a natural organic you know social following i would have a jump a running off a, a jumping off point to release music because then i wouldn't just release it into the ether or send it to a few local radio stations or people and hope it would you know get to a certain place now, I would know, you know, like let's say, you know, within a year or, I don't know, two years, I have, I don't know, it's a complete dream, half a million listeners. Mm-hmm. If that had happened, then, yeah, once I, I'll, okay, I, I, I have a single or an EP done, like, I, it's mastered, it's beautiful. Like I said, I've workshopped it, I've sent it to all these people I know, and I think it's good. I can release it, and I'll have a running start, you know, with these half a million people that, hopefully are eager to hear it because they've, I've been annoying them about the idea of it happening, you know, for so long. <laughs> yeah. But, well, and that's, that's something that is so important is to have like a strategy with these mm. things. That's something that I certainly never had. I just thought mm. I'll just record this thing and say that I'm recording it and mm. then I'll release it. And I've done that several times. And of course, nothing, nothing comes of that. Cause it's mm. like, and that's something that I've learned from, you know, my path in journalism is I, I really had like, like a step by step, like, okay, well, I'll start writing for the newspaper or the student newspaper. Then maybe I'll start freelancing. And then maybe if someone on staff loses their job or if they just get tired of it and they need a new person, maybe I'll weasel my way in. And that's, that's kind of exactly how it happened. (laughs) And so now that I'm trying to get back kind of on the fence but I'm kind of trying to get back into doing my own music I'm that's something I'm paying a lot more attention to is like Mm. well what is the end goal exactly like and it might just be that I want to do it for my hobby and I just want to put stuff out just to have it out there because that's something that I hate is that I have all of these songs because I've I've stopped playing but I haven't started I haven't stopped writing so Mm. I've got all of these songs and it's like it's just in my head or it's just on a note you know on a piece of notebook paper or something Um, and my, my friends like some of the songs and some of my family members like some of the songs. I like some of the songs, so I'd like to have them. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, but just, I don't know, having a strategy, I think is, is going to help, uh, anybody pursuing anything artistic. Oh yeah. Because otherwise, like you said, you just, you kind of release everything and it just goes into the ether and no one pays attention to it. But, um. Yeah, you don't. Even, you might not even get someone to say, "Man, that sucks." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you can at least have closure. Like, oh, wow, I'm sorry, my bad. Yeah, that was on me. <laughs> so you you use um, audition for like for everything for not music? for everything for music. I use because Personas comes with a, a download of uh, Studio One, and it's pretty good. Like I I had never used it. Like I said, I, I was trained on Pro Tools, which I love Pro Tools, but. Studio One's actually pretty badass. Like it comes with a lot of stuff, like preloaded, um, and uh, just its interface is really clean. Like, because um, the other one I was looking at at the time was Ableton, um, but cause I have a lot of buddies who use that. But when I use Personas, because one Personas came with that, so or not Personas, 
Studio One came with the persona, so I was already, you know, I already had it. So I was like, well, let me try this thing. But then when I tried it out, and it was perfect. It was a little like, I don't know, maybe not as modern looking, like aesthetically, maybe because like Audition looks super modern, or it looks like the typical Adobe like structure, design structure. But um, that's it. I don't know. I really like it. Like there's certain interfaces. I feel like it's weird. Like why are my input output uh, switch or, or, or settings or, or effects bus like why is it down here but you can customize all that so just like you know moving from Outlook to Gmail uh, you know you can customize Gmail to look just like Outlook and act just like it mm-hmm. I've kind of done the same thing all my years of, of working in those different because I've worked in five diff- six different softwares audio DAWs systems I've just kind of tailored both of them in the methods that I like to use now I'm sure it could be better it could always be better um, but when it comes to recording podcasts, I'll do it straight out of audition because mm-hmm. it's just typically it's just two or three people and it's really simple. Um, and I have a preset for podcasts, you know, and then, uh, but I use studio one for the band stuff for like the four or five, six people thing. Uh, cause I, yeah, I just, uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I guess really I use when it comes to music, I'll record in studio one. But then I'll I'll master it in Audition, because gotcha. I've just I've been using Audition for the last two years, two and a half years, and uh, for different things, um, and so I just, I'm just comfortable with it, like button placement, mm-hmm. presets, and all that, and uh, yeah, I don't know, I really like that method, because because Studio One has a recording and a mastering, like there's two different like parts to it where you mm-hmm. can like move your project into the mastering and all that. I just didn't like the interface and in and you know i i have it to where it'll export the individual multi-tracked files into individual files in one folder like in the project folder so i mean we'll just record everything and 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 then uh once we're finished i'll just drag that folder into audition and start putting everything where it needs to be and put all the instruments in the right pan section it needs to be and uh you know get all the stuff going but i've liked that um, yeah, I really like I really like Audition. Um, I, the only thing that I wish they had is like MIDI. If they had some sort of MIDI function, mm. where because they don't, right? You can't plug in a MIDI keyboard and like. Yeah, I don't think it has like an extension like that. I think you yeah. can buy. I think Adobe has one. You have to you have to buy really? it. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think so. I'll have to look into that. Because um, I mean, like the because when it comes into like, are you talking about like one of those MIDI keyboards where like. You you plug in the effects and the sounds like from the DAW system, like yeah, that's so, where it's coming from. Yeah, so I can basically because I I usually just use like GarageBand. Uh-huh. And I'll, j- I'll just do a MIDI controller through USB, yeah. and then I'll you know GarageBand has like violins and yeah. all these different keyboard settings and stuff. And so yeah, you can just click one of those. Yeah, and then, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like with this one. I mean, the audio box you know has a MIDI in, um, and so I can give it its own track on my own. Because I have like a Korg R3 and like a Korg uh, beat synthesizer, like a little thing, uh, and I just I'll put those straight in. But I, I don't. Ha- I guess I don't use anything that's um, a programmable board. I, right. I, I don't use that. Uh, there's a guy in my group that I play with in the middle, Lothian. This guy Drew, like he does that. Like he has he has two of them. Um, starts with an A. Like it's like that the bit like one of the biggest. Like not alias, it's something like that. It's a freaking nice 
pad, and that's what he does. He programs it with different sounds, uh, instruments, different uh, effects, mm-hmm. movie clips, like all sorts of shit. So you just go into it. Um, it's awesome. That's really yeah. cool. I'm still trying to figure out guitar though. So. Mm. <laughs> well, there's like some. I mean, you know, you can have Pro Tools, you can have Logic or whatever. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends, have you heard of Reaper? Mm-mm. So I think it's a. I think they software? have. Yeah, it's a software. No. I think they've they've got paid versions too, but um, I'm not sure if he just had a trial or what. But yeah, he he downloaded a free version of Reaper, mm. and it's it's just this really simple um, recording software. It almost looks like Audacity, mm. so it's really bare bones. Hmm. And I like I said, I've been recording since I was like 11, 12, 13, around that time. My friend, he's been recording for maybe like a year or so. Mm. But and it just goes into kind of what you were saying earlier is like you don't need a, to spend all this money on a huge studio. Sometimes sure. a lot of times I feel like what you're paying for in a studio is the knowledge of the people yeah. that are working there. Um, so anyway, I've been recording for a while. My friend's been recording for a fraction of the time. But I mean, he's just surpassed me like so, so much because mm. not only is he working with kind of like um, – I don't know, a, a more bare bones software than I am, mm-hmm. but, uh, but you know, it's, it's all free and everything. And the quality is like tenfold what, what I, what I've put out. And it's just mm-hmm. that knowledge. It's like, he's been willing to, um, you know, go down those rabbit holes and read all those Reddit threads about how to get the best guitar tone or, yeah. or whatever. And so, yeah, you don't, you don't need anything particularly fancy. Like right. you can, you can do some really good stuff with really bare bones, oh, yeah. um, you know, equipment, as long as you kind of have the know-how. Oh yeah. Well, and that, that kind of goes into like, if you don't have it, somebody else does. And yeah. that's where that community kind of comes into. Absolutely. Well, do you know, uh, Jacob Collier? Uh, that name sounds really familiar. He got famous from YouTube. Uh, it's kind of like a jazz fusion guy. Um, that's he's that's how he got started i mean on youtube but like i think it was it was ketner that told me he, he his first ep or whatever his first album that he did that that caught fire and and then he got his first album which i think that got a grammy um he recorded everything with a uh a sm58 uh just a little sure microphone you know just everything was recorded the drums every, i mean everything was recorded yeah. just with that and and mixed well but he had just one microphone, you know, it's like, uh, that's crazy. Cause like I have a lot of different equipment and I still feel like, ah, I just don't know if that would actually pull it off. You know, it's like, I don't know. You've got to be creative and you have to be willing. Uh, well, okay. I want to say this too, cause I realize I haven't pointed this out when it comes to making your own stuff or producing music or production work at all, when it comes to like video and film, dude, you have to have real endurance to be able to listen to the same damn thing a hundred thousand times because that's all you're going to be doing. You know, I mean, like when I was doing uh, weddings and or music videos, you know, I might like that song when I started. Yeah, it's a cool, funky beat. Yeah, whatever. Dude, after a week of hearing it for a thousand times, time after time after time, let me rewatch it because I don't think the lighting was right or whatever. Oh, I hate that song, you know? And so, I mean, you just have to have that thick skin of like, yeah, my vision's not done yet. I need to go back into this and, and fix this again. Or like the timing's off. I need to clip that out and, you know, redo this part at the end because it just didn't sit right next with you, you know, because your, your listener, you know, they're going to take it 
in like once, you know, it's, that's why you have to have that clean product to just, you know, there's no like high tones that throw them off. There's no, you know, uh, muted moments where it's like, what the hell is that? Why did the beat drop off? You know, it's like, it doesn't sound, you know, like mathematically right that this mm-hmm. should happen or whatever. Um, you just got to figure that stuff out to get it cleaned up. But I mean, I don't know. Like, I think like that, like that guy, what Collier, like he, very musically, you know, uh, uh, inclined, very, you know, he's a, he knows a lot, like music theory wise. But when it came to production work, like he did know, he did, he knew stuff, but he didn't have like this mound of equipment that, you know, this no monster mixing board, no guy in the other room saying like, yeah, that sounded terrible. You know, like he, a lot of it was just on his own accord. And, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just takes a lot of trial and error and willing to dig through it for a long time, you know, because I mean, that, that's, that's production work, baby. You just you listen to the same thing over and over again, trying to think of how to make it a little bit different or clean up that or, or you know, hope, you know, or you have a, a wild talent because the producer side, what if your, your talent, what if your act is kind of rough or they don't really know what they're doing? They just had this idea and they don't even know how to explain it. You know, mm-hmm. you're having to sit there and break it down for them and, and you're kind of teaching them in the moment. And then, and then you do your part and they don't, they don't like it. And you're like, well, you didn't even have anything when you came to me, you know, there's just so much, but to have the, uh, experience from both sides and to be able to, um, um, just power through it, just like the, ugh, gotta do it again. I mean, that's, that's proving that you're, you're into it. You know, you're into really making this vision happen because it's just a lot of work, a lot of same stuff. And that's what I've got to, like, if I, if I want to go in the music direction again, I've got to, like, really build some calluses as, as far as that goes. Because, yeah. like, even the smallest things, and this, it just probably sounds stupid to somebody, but, like, just having to sit down and play to a metronome. Mm. It's like, oh, my God. Like, how many fucking times? And, of course, over time, you get better and better sure. at it. And, it, you know, maybe along sometime you'll be able to do it in one take or something. But... Just getting, going from playing a bunch of live stuff to, okay, I got to sit down and really match the beat here. Oh, it's um, a different thought process. Yeah. It's a different approach. Yeah, it's, and like I said, that's just like one little thing that, that can potentially just like make me want to just give up for the day. Like, yeah. I, I can't get this. <laughs> Why can't I get this? And it, of course, it's because it's, you know, it's all a process and you're learning and well, everything. It's also very different. It's kind yeah. of a colder approach to what you're so warm about, right? Because you're like, I love this idea or this creation that I've done and I can express it now. I can, art, you know, I mean, that's what art is. You're articulating, you know, something. You're like, oh, I can really get this out now. This is what it is. It's what I've always, you know, or that's why I think it is. And then when someone's like, all right, can you explain to me the progression? All right, what? Uh, break, break break down the structure. All right, let's get you get the click track set up. All right, and let's do it one more time. Just your vocal, no guitar this time, and you have to cue it up, be in time, yeah. whatever. You gotta uh, warm up and make sure you're you haven't blown out your voice. Maybe you know you're going for some like you know like uh, raspy tone or whatever. You can only mm-hmm. do it so many times, and you just get worn out because you're like, well, damn man, when I showed up on the stage, no one noticed my difference in tone when I was like that and like, uh, like no one mm-hmm. noticed that. It's like, but this dude won't let it go, you know? And it's like, because that's his job, you know? And then your job is to not get worn out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but seriously. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and like I said, that's just something, cause it's not just, it's, you know, so maybe I, I get past the metronome part. Well now why doesn't the guitar sound the way I want it to? And it's just, you know, having that willingness to go down those yeah. those rabbit holes. Um, 
and well, that's having that producer is a, a, a is a huge help. When I mean, when they're really into it, you know, when you have a producer that's really jived about, like, or you're just really excited about what you're going through, like, because you might not know what it is, but they're like, oh, I can see something that's coming together. We just got to figure it out. You know, it's like, it's very wild right now, but we can rein it in and turn this into something beautiful. You know, you can really feed off of each other, you know, and there's the other ones that's more directive. It's like, don't play it that long. No, that's a measure too long, you know, or I don't like that tone. We shouldn't use that instrument in this at all. More stripped down. And you feel more competitive because you're like, well, I think that's the song. Like, no, don't put the Congos in those in that song. Right. Throws it off. It's like, but that's my favorite part, you know, because then then you might start butting heads. But the, um, oh man, I just slipped because you just said something that made me think of something. Because uh, uh, what were you just saying? Uh, I was talking about having the endurance to go down rabbit holes so you can get yeah, the right yeah, sound. Yeah. yeah. And. Oh man, it slipped. But That's okay. uh, but I mean, it, it it's just a lot of dedication. It's a lot of discipline, you know, to be able to listen to yourself, and, and especially if you're not branching it out, you know, like workshopping with other people. I mean, that's that's a lot of discipline, man, to be able to like just sit in your you know house. I mean, that's some, I don't know, that's some crazy shit. Because I mean, like I think it was uh, Kettner said this that you know it's like if you're a pro musician, I mean, you're practicing all the time, and and it, you know you almost look insane when you're practicing all the time because I mean that's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. and expecting something different because you're expecting something different. You're expecting to be faster. You're expecting to be better. You're expecting to know it without even looking now, you know? And, uh, uh, I don't know. It's like, that's what it is. You're doing the same thing over and over again. It might look crazy, but that's how you file it down. That's how you, I mean, tr- that's what you're doing. You're filing it down on all sides. And so you're like, ah, there it is. You know, like, uh, like the sculpture, you know, already seen the statue in the slab of marble, you, you just haven't fought, chipped away it yet. It's like mm-hmm. you got the, you know, like maybe today you have the tone. You know, maybe today you figured out what the tone is, but you don't know what the, the full structure of the song is yet. But you found that sound that you think is, you know, what you think is chill wave or, you know, whatever you're trying to get out. You know, you found it. Now just keep building off of it. And it's going to take a long time. You know, don't feel like you're just going to like, oh, it's, it's magic. It's been in me all this whole time. It's like, no. Like anything, you got to build it and you got to work on it. Do you get um, pretty technical when it comes to like music theory and, and stuff like that? I, I've kind of gotten to the point where, um, at least with music, it's just I've learned enough to where I know how to write a song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's, that's a, a huge part that I'm lacking is like, and because of that, sometimes I'm not able to branch out as much because mm. I've you know, I'm stuck in a minor or something like that. And I'm, or I'm stuck in a pen in the pentatonic scale and sure. I don't know anything else. Do you get pretty technical? Like when it comes to making my own stuff or like listening to other stuff? I guess just, just learning and, and stuff like that. When it comes to music theory and I don't know, all these other, other scales besides yeah. the pentatonic scale, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know anything. Like, like I said, I got to a point uh-huh. and it's, and then I stopped learning. Mm. Are you, are you pretty knowledgeable about all that stuff? Not, not, because like I said, I've only been really into guitar for the last like, I mean, I've had it for as long as I've had a bass, but like I haven't been practicing. So I want to make a shout out to Rocksmith, the video game, because that was a huge difference maker in my world because I was working full time. I didn't have a lot of money when I first moved back to Dallas. So I didn't think in my mind I could afford a teacher. I probably could have made it work, but like in my mind, I was just like, Oh man, I need to save like as much as possible. I'd rather just noodle and do my best of listening to like YouTube videos and then whatever. But then I found Rocksmith 
uh, which, you know, you plug in a real guitar into a PlayStation, and it's just like Guitar Hero, but you're using a real guitar wow, instead. I've never heard of that. Oh, really? Dude. Oh, it changed my life. Uh, so I was already uh, learning bass at the time, and uh, which I loved, because also, like, my musical, like, awareness of, like, when I'm either for jamming or playing something um, or trying to make something, I'm really happy with my musical, like, progress because i went from the basis which is like the backbone to the drums which is the, the beat and rhythm and then to the guitar so i'm not like i'm gonna cut through and you know play something crazy i'm like no these two need i i'm i'm think about them before i'm even trying to do that so i just i have a, a lot of respect for the room you know it's not just like all right y'all suck i'm about to bust it out like no 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 we got y'all gotta be really level before i'll come in or i'll play the bass instead um so I was a bass man for like two years, and I played the drums uh, on and off with guitar and tandem uh, for the last like four years or whatever. Um, so all that I know comes from like Rocksmith for the most part, because they teach they have like little arcade games where it's like go down a Dorian, uh, and 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 uh, every time you don't hit it, like let's say like in uh, in like eighth time, you know, like every time I was off timing it'd show like a little ninja scaling a building and like every time I was off he got up a little higher and you didn't want him to get to the very top of the building or something silly like that and like man like it was just hilarious because like I was like shit first it was super accurate like if even if I if I made the contact but my pinky was flat and it wasn't like a strong like contact it's like too slow and it would go up a meter I'm like dang like all right and so that helped a lot like with just discipline like with Mm. like muscle memory and 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 placement and scale awareness or like pattern awareness even like even if i couldn't absorb like oh yeah these are the notes i'm hitting i i visually i could remember like oh yeah you skip that one and that one goes under here and oh it just keeps doing that pattern i see um i only know a handful of like scales and um you know a good amount of chords and stuff like that but most of the stuff i know would be like on the bass and, and drums like I, I like that I'm like more confident in um, especially like the drums but um, when it comes to listening to music um, or making music I like to start it from influence like if I if I've been really into something you know more jazzy you know I'll, I'll really look into what scale they're playing on just the dynamics of what because what's at play right now like why does this mm-hmm. seem so magical to me and really try and figure out like what that is. Um, I've always had that general concept in me, like as a kid, like like because I didn't listen to anything non-Christian music until I was like thirteen, because mm-hmm. <laughs> both my parents were preachers, and the only thing that we really listened to was like the early Beatles, you know, all the clean, silly shit. And uh, and so when I heard like songs, like because when I was thirteen, that was when my dad like first bought the White Album when they were re-releasing on CD or whatever. He bought that, and I was like, "What is that?" And he's like, "Oh, it's a Beatles album." I was like, "I thought I had heard all the Beatles songs because you know when you're young, you're like, I thought I knew everything." <laughs> and then and then I listened to that album, and it just like blew my mind because mm-hmm. you had like story songs, you had uh, uh, songs about depression and death, you had songs, uh, beautiful songs about love, you had nonsense songs, you had. Uh, reggae-esque songs. You had songs sounding like the Beach Boys. I mean, it was just a, a smorgasbord. But then you had songs with change, you know, tempo changes and, and um, like uh, like um, like Happiness is a Warm Gun or... Uh, it's such a weird song. Oh, it's awesome, it's, though. It's all over. I love it. But yeah. it's like trying to learn that. Obviously, <laughs> you can, but it's it really is all over the place. Right. But it's like it's like three different songs. 
really. And, and like, I remember, like, hearing that and thinking, like, one, like, this is so weird, you know, like, just, like, the concept of it. Because it is kind of a nonsense song that he was writing just, like, about things in the room. But but the musical structure of it was so enticing and, like, weird. and um, Or the melody, you know, on, on Abbey Road. Like, I remember when I listened to Abbey Road, because, like, you know, I, you would see it everywhere. I'm like, oh, it's an exalted album. It's, like, it's great. But I didn't know anything off of it. I knew, like, Here Comes the Sun. Like, when I was little, like, that was all I knew. So when I listened to it in full and I heard, like, the closing melody with all that change, all those beautiful arrangements and stuff like that, it was just, you know, just opened me up. And just be like, wow, like, there's so much possibility in, in, the, uh, in music and in power. And um, kind of forgetting what I was talking about to begin with, why I even got, got on this road. Because I was asking you about like, um, oh, like music yeah. theory and stuff like that. Yeah. So like, so like that was like my first lesson in that, like tempo changes and stuff like that. And so that was my general like introduction of like things to look for in music, you know, because I didn't have an ear. I didn't have a preference. I didn't have a, a, a radar of all, at all. It was what just came into my world or what was popular and on the radio. Um, and so that was my first step was like tempo changes and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. like, oh, I need to find more songs that you know, like a day in the life where like it just changed. Like this is a, this is the same song. Like what? Cause it's being little and like having nowhere in it. Cause it was like pretty simple songs I grew up on. Um, and, uh, but so now I still do that, but with so many different things with like, uh, with, uh, instrument consideration, um, with, well, I guess I need to go back to what I was talking about before. When I hear something and wanting to break down, why did I like that so much? You know, that's what I would do in a more general form without knowing what I was doing. Like, you know, like I, I love Rage Against the Machine, but like, why is it? And then come to find out it was, it was De La Rocha's writing and it was uh, Morello's playing style that just blew my mind. Like every single time. Nothing against the uh, bassist and the drummer. They're phenomenal too. I love them. Love Audio Slave and all that. But... Morello is like magic. He would make these sounds that were just otherworldly, you know, and and the lyricism and, and uh, concept uh, of, of Zach De La Rocha's writing, which is so like intense and like, you know, just crazy and jarring. It was just it was phenomenal. And and so, you know, stuff like that, like, OK, Morello, you know, what else has he done? And then I found Audio Slave. I'm like, oh, shit, like, this is awesome. And it's like, who's this singer? This isn't De La Rocha. It's Chris Cornell. And so then I went to Audio Slave. And then more and more and more, but it was it was finding the particular uh, uh, thing that stood out to me. Um, so nowadays, that's what I'll do. You know, I'll listen to like, like I don't know, like I said, something like jazzy, like uh, like Take Five or uh, I don't know, something from like George Benson or something. I'm like, man, why? Like, like, like listening to Breezin. You know, like, like I love that song so much. And like, why does that opening, you know, lick that he plays? Like, why is that like so magical? And then learning it and figuring out what it is and what scale does it fall into. Um, that I mean, that's after the thought because I'm not, you know, a pro. I don't. I can't just see the the fretboard in my head and like see exactly what he's doing. I'm just I'm not there yet. Who knows? Right. But but when I look into it, I just look into it because I respect it so much. And uh, and it's cool. I mean, it's like. It's like, like to me, it's just like watching like how 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 does it get made videos, you know? It's like how did this song become so magical and finding out like 
you know, like, or listening to like a Jimmy song, a Hendrix song and seeing that, you know, he always used like this fuzz, certain fuzz pedal and this Marshall amp. And that's how he got this warm, you know, or, 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 or aggressive tone or very raw tone or, or listening to Dan Arbach, you know, and, and he's talking about the particularness of like his setup and how it got there. Cause like what you were saying before, I, I didn't really think about that too much, um, as a listener, but then when I became a guitarist and I got back into producing and when you're producing for a group, you know, you got to check everybody and mm-hmm. you just got to do it. Otherwise you're not a producer. You got, you know, you got to give people your, you know, you're like, Hey, you're being too aggressive on the drums. It's not coming through clean enough. You got to bring, tone it down a little bit. You're rushing it. You know, you got to have a voice. Right. And, and so when I started doing that, I think that helped too. like realizing like, Oh, if I'm going to criticize one of the other musicians, like I need to be able to give them um like i can't just give them a problem i need to give them a potential solution mm-hmm. right because i mean that's otherwise you're not doing anything if you're if you're get, if you're going to critique someone and all you're going to do is point something out then i mean i don't really see that as help that's just criticism but if you're going to help them i mean you're at least going to offer something and i didn't feel like i was helping you know in the earlier days because i was mm-hmm. like man i'm just listening and they're trying their best i think i should have a better edge on this um and so I was playing guitar more anyways. And so I just started uh, borrowing stuff um, from people um, or doing the thing I don't want to promote, but like, you know, like buy something and then like return it because it just wasn't right. Or, you know, the beautiful thing is like now there's places like Guitar Center where, or like Murphy's Music or something where there's just a consolidated amount of like effects pedals, amps, your dream guitar. And if you think that's the legendary tone that's going to get you on the stage, you know, you can go there and build it out really quick. Try it. And if it's magic, cool, you know, save up and you'll get there one day. Maybe it's not. And you're like, oh, wow, it's just the fucking pedal. Mm-hmm. It was never the, the other two. It's just this, you know, uh, chorus, you know, effect or this uh, fuzz or whatever it was like, ah, that's that's the magic. There's that's why my ear, you know, tingled. And uh, uh so I, th- I think in the last like year and a half, two years, I've been much more like, let's say destructive, like deconstructive and working it backwards. Like, why do I love, why do I keep going back to that? You know, why does Kurungbin make me like, like, why does it make my brain tingle? You know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and just really digging into it because I respect it so much. And because I do have awareness of some of the methodology, but I want to be able to be accurate in how I honor it or respect it. So, you know, it's cool saying, yeah, that's a great album. I love that album. But also now that I'm a host of a music podcast, I feel like I, I kind of got to keep that up anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I've been trying to do that a lot more too. Like, like you said, just dissecting the things that I've looked at forever and been like, why is why? that so good? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, there is this, I love, uh, like soul music. Mm-hmm. One of my biggest criticisms about my music is that it's not really fun. Like, and there's probably a reason why people didn't show up to my shows. It's because it's like, it's not, what are you showing up for? Mm. The shows I really like to show up for are the ones where I'm like, you know, I want to move. I don't dance. But yeah. the shows that make me want to dance, yeah. that's what, I love that. Uh, the same, I love that kind of music too. And there's there's plenty of slower stuff that I like. And that's that's what I've written for most of my life. But I'm trying to break out of that because... Again, after a while, it's not fun if you're just singing the same sad mm. shit over and over again. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been trying to like dissect some some soul music. Like, man, why is that 
chorus sounds so groovy. And then you find a video and it's like, well, that's because he's singing the ninth in the the scale that he's playing while he's playing this chord. And it's like, yeah, oh, Or the okay. timing is like yeah. some really funky shit that just yeah. gets people moving in a weird way. And they're like, oh, oh, that's a beat. Oh, okay. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I've definitely been trying to do that because... Like I said, I, I just stopped learning after a while. And I think mm. that's what kind of made it boring for me is yeah. even today, like I'll be writing a new song and be like, damn, I kind of like this. And then I look down and it's like, oh, there's your A minor again. <laughs> I use A minor as that's like my clutch. My, uh, crutch. <laughs> um, and, and so, yeah, I'm definitely trying to branch out and, and dissect a lot, of, a lot of different music so I can kind of incorporate it in the stuff that I'm doing. Because yeah. I just, like I said, I'm trying to branch out into into music a lot more now yeah yeah well and when it comes to like certain uh types of music like performing it to get you know a crowd started you know it's like if you're playing like some slow or like you know really intense stuff or whatever it's almost like being a studio releasing an r-rated movie it's like if this plays right it'll play right with the right crowd but if we release a pg-13 movie we'll get the whole family you know right (laughs) you know i remember this one time i played a show at this bar in fort worth Mm. it was totally not the right setting for me (laughs) at all um and the guys were even telling me i kind of wanted to ask them why did you book me here (laughs) because they were telling me before like yeah you know we uh Last week we had this guy and he was just singing all this sad stuff, really bumming everybody out. It's like, have you listened to my music? <laughs> like, that's all that I write. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was scheduled for 45 minutes and they cut me off at 30. Oh, I was no. like, oh, I guess I was bumming everybody out. <laughs> but, but yeah, and I, that was an isolated incident. But mm. that is what the kind of stuff that I write. And, mm. and yeah, I'm, I, it's not the most fun stuff to play. It's not the most fun stuff to listen to. So I'm trying to, you know write some groovier stuff yeah man so yeah yeah that's what you gotta do yeah gotta branch out gotta branch out exactly but yeah but you'll find something new i mean that's that's the beauty about music man it's it, it just it does nothing but evolve you know there's you might like one genre but did you hear about this subgenre? did you hear right. about this sub sub genre <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's like there's just so much you know and that's I mean, new sounds nowadays are just, you know, sound A, sound B, and a little bit of sound C just, you know, warped together. Everything's a little bit of fusion nowadays, you know. And uh, that's what you got to do. I mean, you can find your lane. You know, you can find your, your community for a certain type of sound for sure, but nothing wrong with branching out and giving yourself some uh, oppor- variety, you know, opportunities, especially nowadays in the concept of how you release music. It's like, you know, now you don't really really go aim to release the album to catch fire. Really. It's, you know, it's the single and like multiple singles or an EP, um, or multiple, you know, until something catches. And then once that catches in, here comes the album, let's dish it out and get it out. And so th- that, I mean, that's like, I'm trying to think of someone that really does that. I don't know. I mean, Modest Mouse kind of did that with their last time. They released like three singles and they're all a little bit different. But I mean, there's a lot of people. I'm just, whatever. But there's people out there that do that. But that's a, that's a habit of right, right now. In the last like five years, because of streaming, you release singles. Or because of Bandcamp and SoundCloud, you know, you release a lot of singles and then it'll be put in like a playlist maybe if you get lucky. And then like, oh, people will come find you that way. Then you release the album. But by doing that... You're now you're not landlocked into like well this album needs to make sense or some form of sense right mm. now it's just let's bang out this single for the one you know introduction to what we could be 
because I love this, you know, like let's make this song about a, 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 a an old broken down house that's, you know, some stripped down acoustic song or whatever. But then next week, let's get back together and let's do some funky shit. You know, let's break out the disco. And then next week, you know, let's bust out the uh, the power chords and the fuzz and let's get a little angsty. Uh, you know, but you switch it up, but you, you lean into what, you know, you like. And I think that's the best way to do it right now is because... I think a lot of musicians are a lot of different styles, you know, just wrapped up into one. That's why it's sometimes very hard to explain, you know, what, what, what's your playing style or what do you like? Like, oh, man, I like everything. because there's just so many aspects of different things you like. It's very hard to pinpoint one. So when it comes to getting stuff out, I think that's also the best method is you, you pump out each, you know, rendition of your idea or, or, or just a good embodiment of, like, a project that's funky or a project that's more, uh, I don't know, world music or something that's a little like experimental you know like some brian eno shit where it's like nine minutes long and basically airport music but like i don't know try it out see what happens because that might you know take off and it's massive in canada you know who knows because now it's just such a large landscape and and it's just more worthwhile to pump out the alternatives that you like. It's like maybe this isn't how I always saw myself, but I love this type of music. So I'd like to take a swing at making a, a classic esque rock song, like something a little simple. It doesn't have, doesn't sound like a modern rock band. It sounds more old school or or something, and see if that hits a chord with people. And if it does, hey, remember you like that, so it's something. And the thing is too is if people like that that one song they'll still go back to that and if that starts making you revenue hey leave it be and you know that that's an outlet if you want to go back into that crowd but who knows maybe that's giving you revenue to uh, uh, generate a new idea uh, and then that's the idea you prefer but hey at least now you're making money off of something Mm -hmm. you know so I think that's a that's a big trick to a, a, a malleable musician right now or a musician who takes themselves seriously not too seriously but they take what they're doing seriously you know and they'll they got to get out variety they need to have a variety of people in their you know their circle um their of their uh, how they're how they critique themselves and their art and to just keep switching it up you know and and not feel like you have to be one of those purest people like they they changed their sound you know Mm. Five years ago, they were. I thought they were one of the best rock bands around. Now they're using synthesizers. Like, what's wrong with them? And it's like, yeah, that happens, bud. Like, it happens. Yeah, because you never know what your thing is going to end yeah. up being. So, well, and if you love it, like, don't. That dude's always going to hate you. You know, it's like there's always going to be that dude in the background with his arms crossed, like, this guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't even know you. <laughs> it's like, it's like that scene in Mad Men. Have you ever seen that show where, yeah. when he's in the elevator with what's his name when. Uh, uh, um, oh, I forget the actor's name. When John Hamm's in the guy from Superstore, I don't know if you watched that. Um, but and he's like, he's like, I feel so sorry for you. He's like, I don't even think about you. Yeah. And it's like sometimes that's how you got to approach your critics. And you're like, mm-hmm. I'm glad you came into my world to give me something, but I don't think about you. So I'm going to keep going because you're not the voice I've been waiting for. You're not the voice that carries the weight that will push me off of this ledge or will push me into the world that I want. So I'm just going to keep going. Like I appreciate you wanting to interact, though, <laughs> you know, and just have be like a duck to water. Just let that shit just whoop, because you're you, you got like I said, you got that future self in mind, you know. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Out of all the things we talked about, I think when it comes to being a modern musician, it comes it, you got to be expressive and you got to be malleable. And um, 
And I think a lot of musicians think they're that already because they're willing to be a musician, maybe, you know. But it's way further than that, you know. Community is way more than just feeling like you're in a community. It's being involved in it, you know. And uh, and when you really do it, it's beautiful, you know. I think that's why it works for some people. And that's why some people in this local scene, they like where they are, you know. They like being a teacher and in playing, you know, their, their, their shows and being with their people because they're their people. They're real, you know. And it's beautiful. It's an awesome thing. Yeah, and it can be really extended to everything. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, it's the same with podcasts. Um, I have my own podcast. Oh, really? Called The Cobcast, yeah. It's, I mean, you know, I call it. Uh, I've, I've only been doing it for like a handful of months. Well, probably since before the pandemic. It's basically just like audio adaptations of some of my reporting. Oh, okay. Nice. Kind of like uh, what I'm going for is like an NPR maybe radio lab style kind of thing. That's like one of my biggest influences. Kind of like uh, ear burner, like B magazine. Yeah, I like that stuff too. Um, the thing I'm not very good at in terms of like being a host is like, I don't feel comfortable in my abilities to just converse, mm. you know, live, especially if there's so much to know about a person. Sure. And, uh, a lot of things to bring up. Yeah, exactly. Remember, yeah. So, so what I often do is I'll I'll go out and I'll I'll cover a story or whatever, and then when you see it in print, you just see the words, you just see the quotes from the mm. people. Uh, what I try to do with my podcast is like really put the people there with me. Um, nice. So do you do you are you do you have the shows with the person with the topic with the person subject of interest or is it just you? Yeah, basically. Um, it's it's like my uh, voiceover mixed with a bunch of in the field audio clips. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. so I'm, yeah. you know, if I'm covering a protest, I might I might get a few interviews, and then nice. I'll have the you know the protest noises in the background as I'm interviewing people, and yeah. so that's that's kind of cool. what I'm doing. But that was a subtle plug, but uh, Go for it, brother. also a way to to kind of say like I'm not going to get anywhere in that industry if i'm not also talking to other podcasters and yeah. you know saying hey man i really like your show not because i want you to listen to mine but i just i really like it and then right. like you said you become a part of that community and then they listen to you and then it just kind of you know it's a snowball effect yeah um it's the same thing with with everything with music with any sort of facet of art uh so yeah that's it, it's applicable across the board yeah Absolutely. And if you want to articulate, you got to do it. You got to work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, cool, dude. I'll need to check that out. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to wrap up the first season. I ran into a little hiccup. I uh, had this SD card that had like 50 hours of interviews from like the last few months. I was transferring some files and it got interrupted. Corrupted. Oh. Yeah. And all those are just gone now. Oh. So I'm having to do some makeup work, but... Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to wrap up this season, and then season two is going to be, you know, hopefully a lot bigger. I'm trying to go kind of all out on it, but that's that's all I do with music now is I just write music for the podcast. Oh, I see. Yeah, so that the podcast kind of incorporates all the different things I like to do. Yeah. So. Awesome. Yeah. Do you have a website or anything? I don't have a website, but it's it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. If you just look up Cobcast, you'll see my face. C-O-B. Yes, yeah, C-O-B. Nice. It's all one word. Cool. Um, and then, yeah, 
like I said, I write stories for the Observer every single week. So, and even if, even though I'm not writing for the music section, there's always killer coverage, uh, you know, of the local scene in the Observer. We've got an amazing music editor right now. And so, yeah, if, if you don't want to check out my news stories, definitely <laughs> check out the music section of the cool. Observer because a lot of cool, ha- cool things happening there. Oh, yeah. Always good stuff happening in Dallas. Yep, of course. <laughs> well, cool, dude. Well, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Um, not that I know of. I mean, I guess, you know, maybe in a, a few months or a year or so, maybe I'll be, you know, playing shows again or something. Cool. So look out for that, I guess. Cool, man. Well, I'm glad you came out. Of course. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, my Appreciate question. it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. For more episodes, visit our website, musicmythpodcast.com, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Goodbye. <laughs>